Welcome to First Formation, spiritual exercise for Christian soldiers looking to get the fuck up and pray. Join Pew Pew HQ every weekday morning to hear the good news through grunts and with grunts in the unity of the Holy Spirit as one church forever and ever. Fall in. Psalm 20. May the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. May the name of the God of Jacob protect you. May he send you help from the sanctuary and give you support from Zion. May he remember your offerings and regard with favor your burnt sacrifices. May he grant you your your heart's desire and fulfill all your plans. May we shout for joy over your salvation and in the name of our God set up our banners. May the Lord fulfill all your petitions. Now I know that the Lord saves his anointed. He will answer him from his holy heaven with the saving of his right hand. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. They collapse and fall, but we rise and stand upright. O Lord, save the king. May he answer us when we call. Exodus chapter 40, verses 1 through 15. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, On the first day of the month you shall erect the tabernacle of the tent of meeting, and you shall put in it the ark of the testimony, and you shall screen the ark with a veil. And you shall bring in the table and arrange it, and you shall bring in the lampstand and set up its lamps, and you shall put the golden altar for incense before the ark of testimony, and set up the screen for the door of the tabernacle. You You shall set the altar of burnt offering before the door of the tabernacle of the tent of meeting, and place the basin between the tent of meeting and the altar, and put water in it. And you shall set up the court all around, and hang on, hang up the screen for the gate of the court. Then you shall take the anointing oil, and anoint the tabernacle and all that is in it, and consecrate it and all its furniture, so that it may become holy. You shall also anoint the altar of burnt offering and all its utensils, and consecrate the altar, so that the altar may become most holy. You shall also anoint the basin and its stand, and consecrate it. Then you shall bring Aaron and his sons to the entrance of the tent of meeting, and shall wash them with water and put on Aaron the holy garments. And you shall anoint him and consecrate him, that he may serve me as a priest. You shall bring his sons and put coats on them, and anoint them as you anointed their father, that you that they may serve me as priests. And their anointing shall admit them to a perpetual priesthood throughout their generations. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 25. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promises faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Good morning and welcome to the fifth Monday of Lent. This is Brother Logan Isaac broadcasting from Walkersville, Maryland. This morning's readings come to us from Psalm 20, Exodus 40, and Hebrews 10. But April 4th is the feast day of... uh, Martin Luther King, who was not a soldier, um, not a veteran, but um, it also happens to be 
the 55-year anniversary of his anti-war speech that didn't really have a title but has become known as Beyond Vietnam, A Time to Break Silence. Um, and in it, <clears throat> King, uh, King had already been known for his opposition to Vietnam and to, I think, to war in general. I don't think that was entirely new, um, particularly given his nonviolent commitments. But it was the first time that he linked the anti-war movement with the civil rights movement. And that was an awkward connection. Uh, a lot of uh, groups like the NAACP um, felt differently. And King and Abernathy, his second-in-command, were never fully in bed with the NAACP. Um, Abernathy remembers it as moribund when they um, started together in Montgomery for the bus boycott. Um, but his anti-war speech, I've every so often, certainly every year, I read a speech, and um, this one was one of the first ones I read, and I certainly had a lot of thoughts on it. And um, the, <laughs> the clip that's used in Lincoln Park's song is has always really been important to me, um, where King says this business of burning bodies with napalm and sending men home from dark and bloody battlefields, physically handicapped and psychologically deranged, cannot be reconciled with wisdom, justice, and love. Um, but as I've aged and as I've matured, I, I also uh, have to question how it was received at the time by the military community. Ralph Abernathy was a World War II platoon sergeant. Um, the, the person who drafted this speech, and apparently King didn't make a whole lot of changes, was Vincent Harding. And Vincent Harding served for two years at Fort, Dur Fort Dix during uh, the war in Korea. Um, and Harding, um, you know, his experiences and interests and, and rhetoric certainly appealed to King. Harding considered applying to be a conscientious objector, but um, decided not to and just did his two years and got out. Um, but... Uh, you know, the as I was reflecting on it last night, I wrote a post at, uh, on my substack, pewpew.substack.com. And one thing that is that sticks with me now is um, is that that fact that you know he he makes a speech in '67, and even public sentiment is still pretty, you know, comparably favorable. Um, you know, public sentiment didn't really change dramatically until um, uh, the Tet Offensive in the spring of 68. And then um, people didn't even know about Me Lie, which had happened in 67. They didn't know about it until November of 1969. And so the majority of the American public was either ambivalent or favorable to the war. And so he was ahead of the curve in that sense. Um, but I think he his speech also emboldened a part of the left that had that that you know they were doing things they hadn't done before. So in April he gives a speech, and by August uh, the first newspaper report of spitting on U.S. soldiers um, appears in the New York Times, um, and quickly thereafter I think in October. Um, 
when there was a big peace demonstration at the Pentagon with William Sloan Coffin and, and Abby, Abby Kaufman, um, that's where he tried to like levitate the Pentagon. Um, the New York Times reported actually seeing um, active duty soldiers from the 82nd Airborne being spit upon. Um, and reading King's speech now, and with the hindsight, the benefit of hindsight, um, I can't help but wonder how Abernathy and other black World War II and Korea veterans reacted to the to the speech. Um, I, I don't know what it how they reacted. Uh, I also don't know how to reconcile the the anti-military interest um, with the fact that the civil rights movement was born in the World War II battlefields of the Pacific and Europe. Um, you know, the freedom rides and, and so much of what they were doing in pursuing statutory change was built on the backs of legal cases brought by veterans, soldiers even. Um, the, uh, the bus incidents um, were prevalent in the military. It happened to Captain W. Johnson Roundtree, um, who was a WAC uh, uh, captain, Lieutenant Jackie Robinson, who later became a, a baseball legend, um, and also uh, Private Booker T. Spicely in Durham. Um, and the results were always varied. Sometimes it was just humiliating. Uh, Robinson was essentially court-martialed and acquitted, but it, it prevented him from deploying, and he left the military after being court-martialed for refusing to give up a seat. Booker Spicely in Durham, the lowest ranking of all of them, he was shot in the back by a bus driver um, who was then acquitted and bailed out by Duke Power Company, which employed him in Durham. Um, and so th when Rosa Parks finally did her thing, it was less than a month after a court, after uh, an Interstate Commerce Commission uh, uh, ruling um, in favor of Sarah Keyes against Carolina Coach. And Sarah Keyes was in uniform when she was asked to leave for uh, and give up her seat to uh, a white Marine in Virginia, I'm, I'm sorry, in North Carolina. And her Navy father, uh, who's black Catholic, um, insisted that she fight it. And she was kind of soft-spoken. She really didn't want to. But she was ultimately convinced, and it went all the way up to the Interstate Commerce Commission. Um, and so the Freedom Rides, which were leveraging you know, legal cases, Supreme Court and the ICC ruling, Keys v. Carolina Coach, they were asking the states to enforce this ruling that had been brought and and one by a United States service member. Um, Irene Morgan was the other one. She was a rosy you know, defense contractor building B-26 fortresses, and she put up a pretty good fight when sheriffs tried to take her off her bus, um, or her bus seat. Um, and Irene V. Morgan came earlier in 1946. Um, Keys v. Carolina Coach was, uh, was decided in 55, one month before Rosa Parks refused to give up her seat. Um, but there's, I mean, there's veterans throughout these legal cases. Brown v. Board of Education was World War II draftee Oliver, Reverend Oliver Leon Brown, who was the only male plaintiff, but also the only veteran. Um, and I'm looking up the arguments to find out if they mentioned his military service, because I'm sure they did. Um, du Bois, when he founded the NAACP, was in favor of men serving in the military because he saw it as a, a path to full citizenship. 
Um, and the NAACP was still holding that same line when King gave his speech in April of 1967. Um, and so it was controversial, not just because, you know, people weren't ready to link anti-war movement with civil rights, but also how it, you know, I, I'm really curious how it was received by the military community, especially the black military community. Um, not just the people who had been, but the people who were serving, you know, with public sentiment, somewhat favorable. You can imagine that soldiers didn't feel as much stigma. And so black men um, who were serving, you know, under the same auspices as Abernathy and Keyes and Brown, and who hoped probably to get their own VA home loans, their own GI Bill, their own path to uh, upward social mobility, must have come to Abernathy and King and been like, how, or Abernathy really, and maybe Harding, like, how are you going to tell me that the military is evil when, you know, and, and tell me not to get these benefits when you did. I mean, I, I opened my Substack thinking like uh, the military gave me a lot, you know, with or without the moral complexity. I have, I've got three degrees. Um, I've got a series of uh, VA guaranteed home loans where I didn't have to put anything down. Um, I've built equity because I served in the military and I can't tell someone like myself, um, don't join the military without feeling like a hypocrite, um, because it is about economics. Um, that's what King and Abernathy were turning toward. And what I don't think King seemed to realize is the economics that, that were in place at the time he gave his speech. Now, this is before, again, the Tet Offenses, uh, Offensive Me Lie. And if I were you know, Abernathy in 68, 69, I might tell people like, look, we're so fucked up right now. We're killing innocent people in Vietnam. I don't think you should. I don't think it's worth it. But in 67, it hadn't gone that far. Um, and so I, I think it's important to think about King's speech and how it intersects with the military community. Um, you know, what would they have thought? What did Abernathy think of being referred to as um, psychologically deranged just because he went to combat? And when King mentioned that speech, or that part of the speech, he's not talking about Vietnam. He's talking about the whole business of sending people to war. Um, that ostensibly would include World War II, Korea, Iraq, Afghanistan, um, Ukraine. Um, and so I don't think it's as simple as we often take it to be. And it often takes experience to be that critical difference between ignorance and experience, right? Right. I don't know that Abernathy would have given that speech. I don't know what kind of conversations he had with his second in command. Um, but Abernathy used the GI Bill. Abernathy um, used VA home loans. Um, and I, I can't imagine the tension he must have felt in sitting in the, you know, the audience, which I assume he did, at the Riverside Church in, in New York City in 1967. Um, but we don't have the benefit of not knowing. Um, I certainly don't. And I think it's important to um, be honest about um, our saintly figures and their words and their deeds, um, because I don't think that we should dehumanize King by making him a saint and refusing to criticize anything he says or does. Um, he is a human, and that gives me hope that if he can fuck up, it means that I can fuck up as well and still be a good person and still, on the whole, be um, worthy of saintliness. A prayer for courts of justice from the Book of Common Prayer. 
Almighty God, who sits in the throne judging right, we humbly beseech you to bless the courts of justice and the magistrates in all this land, and give unto them the spirit of wisdom and understanding, that they may discern the truth and impartially administer the law in the fear of you alone. Through him who shall come to be our judge, your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for falling into First Formation, where PewPewHQ shares morning prayers for the humble, hardy folk caught in the crosshairs of God and country. If you like what you've heard, you can participate in one of the three following ways. First, you can support the podcast at patreon.com slash pewpewhq. You can contribute as little as a dollar a month, and you can cancel at any time if I ever piss you off. Second, you can become a co-host by recording a lectionary reading for a future episode. Instructions will be provided, and you don't have to be a grunt to collaborate with PewPewHQ in this or any way. Finally, you can also record and send prayer requests of a minute or less. Prayers can be included in the episode, read anonymously if you wish, or kept private for me to pray for off-air. So there you have it, three ways to participate in First Formation. I hope you'll continue to listen, even if I can't convince you to jump in. This has been Brother Logan Isaac, always faithful, always family. Semper Familia.